How many was born since 1973? Let's just see your hands. Okay. 73, 73. And if, you, if you're not sure, then we're going to assume before that. <laughs> All right, I'm digging a hole. All right, so um, the enemy's strategy is often the same. You know, when God tried to wipe out the deliverer in Egypt, he began to kill all the babies. We all know that in Egypt, that there was a law passed by Pharaoh when he feared what God was doing among his people, and the way he tried to fix it was to kill the babies. So he tried to kill all the male children. And, of course, we see that happening again when Jesus was born. You know, God had a plan to bring another deliverer, the final deliverer who delivered us all from our sins, who came to pay for our, our sin, to be the propitiation of our sin, the sacrifice that atoned for all the sins that humanity has ever given. And the way the devil tried to wipe him out, we know that he did that by trying to kill the babies. If he could kill the babies, maybe the deliverers will be wrapped up in that. Um, in Revelations 12, we see the strategy again. You know, there's a woman. John is in a prophetic experiences. He is encountering heaven in the, in the book of Revelation. And, and all of a sudden, a sign opens up and he sees a woman clothed with the sun and, and the moon under feet and the stars. And she's shining bright and she's pregnant, about to give birth to a male child who would rule the nations with a rod of iron. And the dragon is right there in, in Revelation chapter 12. You can look this up later. I'm just kind of going through this quick because we've got a lot we want to say today and a lot we want to do. I think God's going to do some awesome stuff today too. Um, but this dragon was there waiting for the child to be born that it may devour it. It's exactly what happened with Jesus. That was what the enemy was doing. And in 1973, in America, a Roe versus Wade decision was laid out by the Supreme Court that said there's a constitutional right to kill the baby in the womb. As believers, we know that it's the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? It's the devil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. God is a God of life. He is such a God of life that even in the end, you're never destroyed. You ever think about that? God doesn't destroy the devil and his angels. He could have, the ones that fell, you know, but he's not a destroyer. He's a, he's a life giver. When you exist, you exist forever because he is so committed to creation. He's a, he is the creator. And yet the devil comes to destroy and to kill. And um, so when we see, any time you see death, you can pretty much see the enemy at work. How do you know if it's the devil? Is it killing, stealing, and destroying? That's the devil's calling card. Is it releasing life and life more abundantly? That's the Lord's calling card. That's why I'm so against sickness and, you know, and people, you know, sickness is of the devil because it kills, steals, and destroys. It was released through our own sin in the garden. You know, the, the original sin released sickness in the world. 
Um, but Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil. So, you know, we can see clearly that, um, and I believe this, I believe that we're in the last day generation, okay? Now, I believe there are some deliverers that were going to be coming after 1973 to help usher in the, the last day move of God before he returns. I believe that, okay? I believe those born previously, we're stand, those that come after are standing on the shoulders of the fathers and the mothers because this is one big pyramid from the, really from the beginning to the end, but especially from the book of Acts when the, the original apostles founded the church, we have been growing and standing on the shoulders of previous generations. There's nothing that we're walking in today that we could walk in without the power that, and, and the anointing and the sacrifices and the service of the, the generation before us laid down. I hope my kids go much further than me in life and in ministry and in purpose. That's, 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 a, you know, that's the right heart that our kids would go further. And so there's always Joshua and Caleb's who, who get to go in with them because they had faith. So if you're, bef if you're, if you're before 73, don't feel left out by what I'm saying because uh, God's no respecter of persons. But there is a we're raised up during that time to see the Lord return. And I believe, I believe that those deliverers were raised up during that time period and the enemy came to snuff them out. Okay? Um. I want to, uh, if Paul, be patient with me a second, because we all got some good stuff to share. I wanted to give a spiritual, um, I want to talk about what this decision means that was just passed that overturned Roe versus Wade spiritually. The spiritual side effect or effect, not side effect, the spiritual effect of what that's happened. This is a great day to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. And I just want to say a couple of things people that fight for this, they say, well, it's my body. Of course, unless it's a COVID jab, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, but this is my body, my choice, my body, right? And I just want to speak to that a minute. And I just want to point out how, how, fall, how much we've fallen because, first of all, it's not your body. It's a child's body that you're killing. You're not killing your body. But secondly... We used to be, I think about the World War II generation and how they gave their life for the freedom of the world. And there used to be a thing called honor that says, Jesus put it like this, no love, no greater love has a man than this that he lay down his life for his friends, right? It used to be an honorable thing to deny yourself for the sake of someone else to sacrifice in order to make someone else's life happy. But in this generation, it's all about me, 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 me. I don't care about you. I only care about me. And I don't care about helping you if it causes me to have to hurt me. I'm not willing to sacrifice at all for anyone else. I'm not going to suffer for anyone else. And that's a mentality that is so contrary to the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his best. He sacrificed his best. And that is, we're called to be like him and to be people who can sacrifice for our own life for others. There are many cultures that have honored that throughout society. I remember doing a missionary trip in 98, and, um, and this older couple, they must have been in their late 60s, early 70s, they gave up their rooms so that us young teenagers, I was 22, I think, or 23, somewhere in there, but there was mostly, it was a a group of teenagers, but they gave up a room so we could sleep in their bed. Well, one day I happened to be going upstairs and their room was open and I saw where they were sleeping. It was on a concrete slab that hadn't been finished in the sense that it was smooth. It was not smooth. It was all gravel. And they were sleeping on that so this young person at the time could have a bed. But that was the mentality. It didn't matter your age. You sacrificed for others. And that just that impacted me. And here today, we can't even sacrifice our own. We can't sacrifice for nine months. To, to save a child's life? Do y'all know James Robinson? He was the product of rape. Do you know that? That man has had more impact. My goodness, look at the impact of that man. Not only in his preaching and his ministry of the word, but in the wells that were dug and the, and the nations that were fed by life today. They have been serving the underprivileged in Africa and India and all over parts of the world where people didn't even have running water to drink and people were dying from bacteria and water. And he, his, his organization and ministry have been for, you know, probably as, almost as long as I've been alive have been ministering to these nations. That wouldn't have happened if his mom chose to abort that child because she was raped. The life is precious even when brought in bad circumstances. Does that make sense? So I just want to praise God for this. I really do. I'm, I, I, cry, I was crying on Friday. I was so moved because this, there's been people that have been fighting for this in prayer and intercession and in stance and in legislatures and all kinds of things for, for, for almost 40 years. We're, I think we're one year shy of the 40-year mark. What a fight. So, 50 years? 73. So, is that 50 years? Okay, good gosh. I'm sorry, 50 years, wow. All right, so I'm going to just run through this as quickly as possible. I want to just share real briefly, um, as briefly as I know how to do, um, the spiritual ramifications of what I think just took place. Now, everybody understands abortion is not illegal yet, okay? All they did was basically say it's not a constitutional issue. It is, this is being pushed. It's not a right in the Constitution. This is something that the state legislatures have to decide for each state, which is true. I mean, if you study the Constitution, that's absolutely true. This is a state issue that has to be decided in the state. So what it does is it gives the permission for states to decide. Immediately, I think there, how many states was it that immediately signed bans on abortions? It was a lot. 21? Really? Wow. 
So somewhere between 13 and 21, there were a lot of states. And I think there's going to be more that follow. Uh, so praise the Lord for that. Because, but let me explain the spiritual dynamic to this. And so that we understand that this isn't just about... This is f- the, the ramifications of this are going to reach far and wide into the spirit atmosphere. Okay? Um, and that's the wrong one. Throw that away. Let's pull out another white sheet. Let's see, it's in here somewhere, hopefully. All right, here we go. Are y'all ready? Are y'all awake? Okay. All right. Spiritual implications of Roe versus Wade. All right. In Daniel 10, when you look at Daniel 10, how many are familiar about the, the story of Daniel 10 where Daniel begins to pray and seek the Lord for his own nation? that an angel appears to him and says and begins to tell him that as soon as he started praying, he was released to go to Daniel, but he was held up by the prince of Persia in the spirit realm, in the heavenlies. There was a war going on that took this angel that had immediately been released by God in prayer to Daniel, but it took 21 days for the angel to break through. It took another angel, the, the archangel Michael, to come and help out this messenger angel so that he could come and deliver the message to Daniel because there was war in heaven. Okay? Y'all understand that? Y'all familiar with the passage? There was spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies that were determining the the destiny of nations. In order for Israel to go back and be released after the 70 years to go back to their nation and rebuild the temple and to re... There was a fight going on in the spirit realm. Okay? Spiritual, there's spiritual realities to everything that's being operated in the earth. Never underestimate what's going on in the spirit realm as it relates to how it's affecting what goes on down here. If we can win up here, we'll win down here. Do you hear that? If we can win up here, we'll win down here. We got to win these battles so these battles can be won. If we can win in the heavenlies, we're going to win on the earth. All right. So, look, turn over if you, if, if, or you can I'm gonna read it. You don't have to turn over, but this is Revelations 18, 23. Uh, it talks about, this is talking about the harlot and I have done a whole message on the harlot and how that correlates to the times that we're living in. It's on my podcast. I encourage you to listen to it. I think it's helpful to understand where the times that we're living in and how this plays out with us. But concerning this harlot, in verse 23 of chapter 18, it says, The light of the lamp will not shine in you no longer, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride will not be heard in you any longer. For this is the part I want to get to. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. Sounds familiar. Because all the nations were deceived by your witchcraft. Let me read that again. All the nations were deceived by your witchcraft. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who had been slain on the earth. Okay? What is incredibly amazing to me is that this scripture tells us that there was a deception that fell on the nations. Have we ever lived in a time more deceived? Can you, I mean, think about the times that we're living in. 
A boy don't know if he's a boy. A girl don't know if he's a girl. I mean, this is, we are in deception, and people are actually fighting for this. My God, I didn't call you a they. And now they're going to court. People are being sued, fired from their jobs because they don't know how to pronounce what pronoun you decide to be today. This is deception. One of the greatest signs of the end time was deception. Paul, hold, hold me, man. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm going to get into preaching mode here. Um, sorry, I'm going to have to stick to it here. Deception, according to this scripture, <laughs> deception was over the nations. I'm going to read this again. The merchants were the great men of the earth because the nations were deceived by their witchcraft. According to the scripture, witchcraft was the power that blinded the eyes of the nations. Witchcraft is real. Okay, I'm going to tell you that. I know I've said that before. Witchcraft is real. It's not make-believe. It's not stuff that people pretend about on Halloween. It is a real power to the point that God has forbidden it over and over and over again in the scriptures. It is real. It has power. And this witchcraft actually can affect people's... It's like a fog that comes over people where they begin to get confused and they begin to believe things that maybe they wouldn't have believed if this fog wouldn't have been rolled over their mind. Okay? Y'all follow me? And so in the next chapter, 19 of Revelations, it says rejoice... Four times in six verses to the heavens and those who dwell in them and the God's people and the saints because Babylon has been judged by God. God is judging Babylon. I'm telling you that. I'm decreeing that. I'm declaring that. I'm prophesying that. I've been doing that for a year and a half. God is judging the harlot that has corrupted the earth with her immoralities. Now, I want to turn over to 2 Kings 3. In 2 Kings 3, there is a really weird story. But it's going to give us insight into how spiritual things can affect natural things. And it'll give us insight into witchcraft, sacrifice, demonic powers. All right? In 2 Kings 3, Jehoshaphat, who was a righteous king in Judah, goes to Israel. And with Ahab, they just... Are discussing and Edom are discussing going to war against the uh, the Moabites and you know Jehoshaphat asked for a prophet and the prophet comes and it was the prophet Elisha and he tells him he says um, he ends up prophesying and he says uh, thus says the Lord make this valley full of trenches for thus says the Lord you shall not see wind or shall see you see rain yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beasts this is but a slight thing in the sight of the Lord he will also give the Moabites into your hand you will strike every fortified city and every choice stone and fell every good tree and stop all springs of water and mar every good piece of land with stones so when they went to battle against the Moabites they were kicking their tail. 
God was with them, and they were defeating the Moabites. And they defeated them to such degree. I'm going to go a few verses later, and I'm going to start reading. Uh, in verse 23, then they said, this is blood. This is the Moabites talking to themselves. Then they said, this is blood. The kings have surely fought together, and they have slain one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil. But when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose and struck the Moabites so that they fled before them, and they, were, and, and they went forward into the land, slaughtering the Moabites. Thus they destroyed the cities, and each one threw a stone in every piece of good land and, fill, and filled it. So they stopped up, stopped up all the springs of water and fell all the good trees until in Kerharaseth only they left its stones. However, the slingers went about it and struck it. So basically, they were being, they're fulfilling the word of the Lord that was given through the prophet Elisha. But here's the weird part. Verse 26, when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through the king of Edom, but they could not. They could not break through. There was a spiritual battle and there was a physical battle. They physically couldn't break through in the natural. So here's what happens. Verse 27, then he took his oldest son who was to reign in his place and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. Human sacrifice. And there came great wrath against Israel and they departed from him and returned to their own land. Is that not weird? That's really weird, is it not? But it shows us to the reality at which sacrifice has power. Unfortunately, the church understands this less than anybody, probably, and unfortunately, we should be the ones that understand it the most because the Lord Jesus made the greatest blood sacrifice of all time when he sacrificed his spotless, sinless life, and it released a power that will go through all eternity to wash away and take away the sin, and it, which is great from all of us who turn to him. The greatest sacrifice ever made was made, and that spotless blood that had never ever sinned fell off of the cross onto that cursed ground and the curse got turned back all the way to Adam we should understand sacrifice more than anybody but there is a principle and there is a truth that blood sacrifices releases strength in the heavenlies to the battle it said great wrath was released against Israel who were going from, with the word of the Lord. And this blood sacrifice turned them back and they were in the will of God because the spiritual battle got turned because of a wicked, evil, satanic thing that was done. Okay? Are y'all with me? Why am I saying this? Well, here, let me explain. We need to understand this. If you go to Africa or Haiti or a lot of these third world countries, you have voodoo, you have witchcraft, you have all these things. There, there is spirit, they've, they know the spiritual power that can be had by giving yourself to demons. Okay? There's blood sacrifices that they make. Witchcraft is, and satanic worship is tied up into blood sacrifice. Because it releases power to the enemy. 
Now, how does that work? I don't know. But it's true. It works. Y'all with me? Now, if you look at this, you can look at Deuteronomy uh, 32.17, Leviticus 17.7, Deuteronomy 12.31. All of those are scriptures that refer to the sacrifices that were being made in those days as being directly made to demons. The first one's Deuteronomy 32.17. The second one's Leviticus 17.7. Deuteronomy 12.31. And if you're writing it down, Psalms 106.34-39, through 39, which I'm about to read. But all of those scriptures, if you look at them, they're, they're, they're spelling out that the people who were sacrificing even to idols were actually sacrificing to demons. They were releasing a, a, a demonic fuel that fueled the enemy's power. You have to understand, the devil had no power in the garden. It was given to him by man. God gave authority over the earth to man. These demonic sacrifices release authority to the enemy. All right, Psalms 106, verse 34. Let me read these few verses. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the nations. This is talking about the children of Israel, okay? This is for context. The children of Israel, when they came into the land, the Lord told them to destroy the people because they were in such horrid abominations that he knew that it would cause his people to turn away from him as it did. And so he said, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices, um, one, one verse there, it says they learned their works and served the idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the lamb was polluted with the blood. Polluted with the blood. So here's, here's what I, th- I believe. I believe that ever since 1973's permission for open war on children, there have been blood sacrifices being made at the altar of comfort and the altar of convenience to the idol of comfort and convenience to our own idol, the idol made to us, which is really not sacrificing us to us, It's sacrificing to demons. And it's released a demonic power, as we see in Revelations 19, that causes a deception to fall like a cloud over the nations. Witchcraft, which is, if you understand witchcraft, it's tied to sacrifices. Witchcraft, Satan worship, voodoo, all those types of things that are all demonic in origin, their, 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 their power source is sacrifices, blood sacrifices. And we have been sacrificing to those demons for, I guess, 50 years. I didn't do the math right, I guess. Uh, 50 years almost. And that has fueled something that not only cursed our land, because the Bible says that uh, cursed is the land that spills innocent blood. And we know that there's been horrible innocent blood 
shed on our land and on every land in the world. But what is more innocent than an unborn child that hasn't done anything? And if we love our, the Creator, then we're going to love His created order and we'll protect that which was a gift from God, which the Bible clearly says it is. Psalms 127 says that, uh, that children are a gift from the Lord, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And so I believe that what just happened was the fuel source for these demonic powers just got reduced. <laughs> yeah, giving praise. That's worthy of some thanksgiving. Yes. I believe the tide has turned. I have said this in our prayer group numerous times. I, f I have felt like that when this, when this gets overturned, the demonic power that has been raging in our country is going to have a whole lot less source to work from, and it's going to begin to shift the whole spiritual dynamic. I am convinced that the witchcraft that all of you have felt leading up to this the disorientation, the confusion, the lack of vision, the desire to quit, the things, not, you know, just wanting to give up, even suicidal mentalities and thoughts hitting your mind on an intensity that maybe you weren't used to in the last month. That was his, his final attack before this battle to somehow get us pushed back. But as Elton John saying, I'm still standing. <laughs> we're still here, and, we're, and God has given us this victory. So I am super encouraged. That, and I believe the spiritual climate over the airways of our country just had a big hole busted through the cloud of demonic fog. Yes. Amen. That's awesome. I'm not going to like rehash because <laughs> you took all of it, man. No, <laughs> no I, I really, I felt like I was, I was actually supposed to share today, but I felt like this was such a monumental happening in our lives, really, and in the, the history of the earth, I even believe that we need to have some kind of response and we need to kind of understand and have kind of a, a bigger picture of what was really kind of going on uh, behind the scenes. And, um, and Travis, he shared, I mean, exactly what was going on. You know, um, but let me, let me kind of, let me, I guess, share a little bit about what is coming now because that this has been addressed okay now like travis said um this is this is really it's an awesome victory but there are more victories to be had okay because how many of you guys know in north carolina you know abortion is still legal are you guys aware of that right we live in this state this is our land right so um and there's many other states in our nation that the fight is going to begin with us, you know, now that the power has been given back to the people to dictate how we want our land to be ruled, it's time for us to stand up to vote, 
to be continuing to pray. This isn't a time to like, okay, cool. We got the victory. Roe versus way is done. No, like this is the time to keep going, keep interceding, keep praying, and, uh, and specifically local government and then state government and beyond. You know, we need to like be, you know, have our voices heard in these arenas, okay? Now, this has become a political issue, but really, as like Travis was sharing, it's really a spiritual issue, okay, that has political ramifications. But it started in the spirit, and out of that, we see the results in the natural, right? And um, so anyway, so why... Why are we excited? First and foremost, we're excited about this because the innocent are, are um, it's the next step for the innocent to be protected, first and foremost. Second off, it's a, uh, what, what Travis was saying, there is a, uh, a power that the de- demonic in our country was being, was using because of the child sacrifice, because of the innocent blood that was shed. And number three, I believe like, it's, it's important because it is a precursor of this move of God that we've been talking about, we've been prophesying about, that we've been hearing about for 50 years, for 100 years even. This needed to be taken care of before this move of God. And um, so that's why I am so excited about it. Like, I am just, I mean... First and foremost, so that, that we've been winning, the, we're, we're winning this battle that really the church and especially, you know, uh, non-believers that said is impossible. And I just want to, um, I just want to share like about, you know, I remember when I first got involved in this, this kind of fight, it was actually, it was like two, the year 2000. And I was, uh, I was pretty fresh Christian at that point still. And um, I went and I saw this, this guy uh, um, named Lou Engel. He came to a, a church that I was, I was going to and, and, and uh, this fiery rocking guy, like, you know, he does this crazy thing, spitting and everything. <laughs> I could tell you some crazy stories about it. But no, the, uh, but he began to, to, to prophesy and to speak about this coming move of God and how it was connected with the youth and is how it was the, the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons and the sons turning to the fathers. And that he was beginning to unveil that the Lord was showing him that it was tied with uh, this move of God is going to be removed, is, is going to come when, when abortion is removed from our nation. And um, this is back in 2000, you know. And so, and then, you know, a lot of you guys know about, uh, or even some of you guys are probably there, that he was calling for this day of fasting and prayer to change the course of our nation. And that was at the mall in D.C. Heather and I uh, went there uh, with with, uh, some friends and uh, some, you know, our church. And... um, and that's exactly what it was. It was a day of like prayer and fasting. And I just, and I remember even like, uh, it was this, it was, I think this was the first time this ever happened to me. I remember going there and during the times we would just like, we would worship and there would be a time of concentrated, pinpointed, targeted prayer. 
And I remember uh, in one of those times, this spirit of intercession fell on me. And I don't know if this has ever happened to me. And I was on the ground, like travailing. Like they, that's the Christianese word for it, right? <laughs> I was yelling. I was, I was overcome like, in this like mourning for the sin of our country and my own and the country's. You know, we were, we were coming before God representing our nation, you know, repenting for the sins of our nation. And, um, and I just remember it was just a powerful time. There was like, I think 400,000 people there. Just, we were there, we weren't there for a concert. And I remember that was Louis, it was like, we're not coming for a concert, we're not coming for a show. We're not even gonna tell you who's gonna be there. So you're not coming for names. We want you to come because we're gonna pray and fast. <laughs> And I don't like fasting as much as everybody else does. So like, but there was such a call, you know, literally a call for our nation to, to you know, Second Chronicles 714. And, um, and I remember, I knew that I knew that I knew that a shift took place that day, even myself personally. And uh, I remember one of the things that we were praying specifically about was that God would put in godly Supreme Court justices. And, um, you know, Lou Engle, he shared that this prophetic dream that he had about, um, he was playing tennis with Cindy Jacobs. If you guys know Cindy Jacobs, so she's like kind of a prophetic intercessor, prophet lady, prophetess. And, um, and you know, he woke up from the dream and immediately, you know, the Lord told him that he, he called up Cindy and Cindy said basically, you know, that this battle is going to be won in the courts. And uh, that's, you know, really when he began to like target the courts and um, because the enemy had targeted the, the courts. If you guys know your American history, the progressives in the early 1900s targeted the Supreme Court. Did you guys know that? Well, if you didn't, they did. <laughs> they were specifically wanting to change the direction of our nation. Lonnie can speak all on this. I don't even know where Lonnie is, but he's got a whole class about this. <laughs> but they wanted to specifically a minority of our nation. They were a minority. You know, some of the, the lie of the enemy is that, that we're the minority. But reality is there are more with us than there are against us. The media paints this picture that they're the majority, that the liberal left and all this, the craziness, that that's what most of America is. I'm telling you, it's not. But they're doing that on purpose because they're wanting us to give up and be like, oh man, it's useless. Look at us, we're like, we're just like a small little band that, you know, and they want us to just, Give in. Well, we shouldn't be giving in. And I'm telling you right now that we are a majority in our nation. All like there's so many polls out there. Don't I mean I'm not talking about the liberal media CNBC polls or whatever. I'm talking about like scientific polls. Most Americans do not like abortion, even though the media says that they do. Um anyways, where did I go with that? <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So the progressives 
in the early 1900s in our American history, they were specifically trying to put in power in our Supreme Court justices that would not interpret the Constitution, but that would dictate law and create law based on ideologies that are false. Does that make sense? They were doing this. And they changed a nation that was very Christian. I mean, goodness, we still have our, had our issues. Give me, you know, we don't need to go there. But a very Christian nation to where the rule of our government was overtaken by demonic ideologies. That's how they came up with Roe versus Way. Nowhere in the Constitution does it give any kind of right for this or specifically talk about a woman's right to kill their baby. Nowhere. So you have a, a judge that was placed there by a progressive liberal to dictate and create law, okay, instead of interpreting the Constitution. All right, so that's a little history message for you guys right there. You, a lot of you guys already know this story. So that... All this saying is that that was the strategy of God for us to move forward here. When you know Lou Engel, he got this dream, and that the, he uh, that the the through the the fight was going to be won in the courts through intercessory prayer, through fasting and praying. And so that in you know, two thousand, where they kicked off this call, that's what you know. And and don't get me wrong, we've had the church and a remnant praying for for. What is that? Let me do the math there. Is that 30 years? No, 20 years before that, praying for the, you know, Roe versus Wade being overturned. But this was just like this specific God moment. And sure enough, what do we see? And a lot of people don't like this guy, but Donald Trump, love him or hate him, God used this guy to put in the people who would rightly interpret the Constitution and that justice would be, you know, prevail in our country. So, um, so that's all kind of going on in the natural, but that's because there's been this movement of intercessory prayer warriors that have been constantly fasting and praying, not just to see like uh, abortion changed, and not it's not even it's not political, it's not about politics. Politics is just a result of this. But to see this innocent blood removed from our nation so that this move of God, this third great awakening can happen in our land and that Lord, the Lord would come and he would heal, heal our land. The last part of that, 2 Chronicles 2, 7.14, uh, that he would come and he would heal our land. And so I'm, I'm, I want to encourage you guys, and, and we've really been talking about it, you know, really over the past couple months of just the preparation for this coming move of God. And I am convinced that, that we are at the cusp of it, that if we, if we are interpreting the times prophetically of what's taking place, that we are on the cusp of a great harvest. And... Um, and I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast if, if you weren't there, but I don't know if you guys remember with the Lord, he gave me that, that scripture about mending the nets because of the great catch. I want to re reiterate that, that we need to continue to be preparing for this. And um, 
And, you know, so I just want to talk about that real quick. And uh, Josh is going to share some stuff, too. You know, and, and this is uh, Luke 5. If you guys remember, you know, um, you know, Jesus came to Simon and, and uh, Andrew, and he's saying, hey, I know you guys have been, been fishing all night, but go put your nets out in deep water and let, let down your nets for a catch. And then Simon answered him, Master, we have worked hard all night and called nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break so that they signaled to their partners and the other boat for them to come and help. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. This is what's coming. All hands on deck. <laughs> this idea that like the pastors or these great evangelists and all this, you know, that they're going to be doing, uh, bringing in this catch is false. All of us are going to be bringing in this catch. We need all of you. That is why the enemy has come after this generation and beyond because all of you are called to be deliverers. It's not a one person. It's an actual people. You were born specifically for this time. I heard that AOC lady. She's crazy. She was literally quoting this in the Supreme Court. You guys were, were born for such a time as this. I'm like, that's exactly right. <laughs> we were born and you escaped abortion because you're part of the deliverance of this end time great harvest that's coming. So I want to encourage you guys. Let's get on board with what the Holy Spirit's saying in terms of how do we prepare for this. I'll be honest, I still, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, how do we do this? I don't know, like, but you do. And one of the strategies I think he gave us was to mend the nets. And if you guys w were listening before, mending the nets, I, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. He was talking about building and strengthening the relationships within the body. Because when the catch comes... It's going to come through relationships, and it's going to put a strain on our relationships, so much so that it might break some of them. So I believe God's giving us a time now to invest in relationship with one another. And how do you practically do that? Well, we set up, you know, I don't know, uh, things for people to practically be able to do this. And one of them is home group, getting connected there getting to know one another, having each other's backs, knowing one another according to the Spirit, recognizing who God made our brothers and sisters to be that we can help propel them into their calling because they're needed. So that's just one area, and obviously other areas are just, you know, coming to church. <laughs> But more than anything, it's, it's sacrifice of our busy schedule to invest into kingdom relationships. That this is excuse of like, man, I'm so busy, I got this, I got this. We need to start looking through a, we need to start filtering these things that we're putting our hands to with, is this having eternal impact? 
is this soccer practice? Is this whatever, blah, 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 job, all these things, all these natural things that are not bad. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying let's all like, you know, join a commune and whatever. <laughs> Start, well, maybe God will tell us to do that, but <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know. I love to go out in the water. I love my boat time and all that stuff. But, but bringing it before the Lord, being like, Lord, is this having eternal value with what you're doing right now for why I was created and I was placed on this earth during this time? And am I going to be playing my part in this harvest? Yeah, because all hands on deck. We're going to need everybody. We're going to need people who catch the fish, and we're going to need people who clean the fish. We need people who are going to equip the fish and then send out the fish <laughs> to get more fish. Does that make sense? So, Josh, did you want to share too? I am going to keep this short. Not Travis short, like real short. <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, I, uh, I had several uh, text messages come across on, was it Friday when the news broke? And uh, I was so excited to hear about this. And yet there was something in me that I was just like processing, like I know this is amazing, I'm celebrating. I was actually there the same time that Paul was in the mall. We didn't know each other at the time, Miriam was there. Or anybody else in the room at the mall in Washington during that, that time? I was, you were there? Oh, sweet dude. I was, uh, I remember walking, I was I think 18 at the time. And uh, we had taken a bus from Wilmington to, to there and I'm walking and like the whole crowd's up front, we're walking. And as I just, as I get closer, I sense something in me to the point that I just like hit the ground and like what Paul was describing, just like begin weeping and crying out, Lord, have mercy on our nation. And I look, I don't know what happened. I just got lost in it. And then, I don't know, hour later, I look up and everybody that was with me just decided I'm just going to... I'm just going to put a chair where Josh was because <laughs> he just fell. He was, I mean, it was that, it was that significant of a, of a thing, and I, and I was just processing that. And this, it was the, it's the heart of God. It is the heart of God what just took place to see life protected. And this is just a really simple story. I just want to encourage you with this, that it says that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting— the baby in her womb leapt. Come on. Think about that simple, profound statement. The baby in Elizabeth's womb wept, and I mean leapt, and I believe it says it was filled with joy. Come on. Like, that... that when you look up the word filled with joy, it actually, I believe that leap was actually an exuberant celebration dance. This baby was literally dancing in his mother's womb because he heard the voice of the one carrying the Savior in her womb. 
I mean, come on. This is just, I'm excited because there are babies who are, re- I believe there are babies dancing in wombs all over this nation today. Come on. Like, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate that. Come on. But the other side of that was, I think somebody said it, now's time to put our foot on the gas pedal. Now is the time to prepare. Because we can be sure when stuff like this happens, there might be another sick king who tries to distract or try to deter us or try to instill fear on the people of God. And I, don't, I, think I, had a, I think I had a dream. I woke up just with this, in, this, in, this instinct that we we're about to find out that we had more enemies than we thought we had here. All of us that are celebrating this, all of those that are rejoicing in this new law, we're about to find out that we had some more enemies than we thought we had. And it's not time to make a fist. <laughs> and it's not time to, it's time to, to go back to the Beatitudes. I was reading this this morning. And I think part of our preparation is being prepared to love our new enemies. <laughs> These beautiful words from our Savior says, but love your enemies and do good. Lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. You will be sons and daughters of the Most High God, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. So I believe part of our preparation is to be ready to love these new enemies. Just hearing the news, I came home, and my son, uh, Noah, was like, hey, Dad, you hear about it? Yeah. She, he started reading some of these things and these retweets and these requotes. And I can tell you, as I'm hearing these people, it wasn't love rolling up in me. <laughs> it wasn't love for them. I wanted to go and flex on them and prove how wrong they were. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know it's the words of the Lord for us in this hour. And I know that there's one other scripture in, in Peter that I just want to share with you. It's in that same vein. If you give me a chance to get there. He says this, For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Sorry, that's First Peter 2, 15. There's going to be a temptation to try to do things their way, but the Lord's saying this is the will of God. Do things. Go read through the Beatitudes. Jesus gave us a beautiful way of how we as kingdom people are going to live in the face of these enemies that are going to call us out. And I'm not going to lie. Some of the stuff that my son was reading, it was very poetic. It was very eloquent. I was like, wow, that sounds, no, no, I don't agree with any of that. It was, but it sounded so nice and it sound, and people are going to rally behind that. But we are the people who are born of the spirit of God who are absolutely yielded to the Spirit of God, and we are going to do His will in the earth. And by doing what is right, we silence the ignorance of foolish men in the hour. By doing what is right. I cry out for the grace of God 
to walk right and humbly with our Savior. To walk right as our new enemies come up. That we would have the ability to love them. And by loving them, we're not condoning what they're condoning. We're doing what Jesus had this amazing ability to love and lay down his life for people and never condone anything. He wasn't condoning the actions of the woman who was about to be stoned. He was loving her. He wasn't condoning the actions of sinful people. He was forgiving them and loving them and still not condoning them. And that's what we're called to do. There's going to be a temptation to lash back out. But we silence ignorance by living right. By doing right. By loving our enemies. And I don't know how that even works other than us being 100%. As yielded as the evil people on this earth are to evil, there are people who are absolutely yielded to evil. The people of God must absolutely be 100% yielded. That is what this and this hour calls for, as you and me, to be absolutely yielded to the Spirit of God. That if there is anything in us, if there's any, the, the biggest thing that would be resistant to the Spirit of God is selfishness. Any self-seeking is like the number one thing that is going to resist the, the move of the Holy Spirit. Selfishness is to want to yell at somebody and convince them that you're right and they are wrong. We're not into that. We're not in that camp. So Holy Spirit, I just I invite you all to pray with me now. That if there's anything in me that is resistant to your spirit leading us in this time, if there's anything in me that wants to lash out at my enemies that I'm about to find out I have this week, Lord, begin right now preparing in me the love of Jesus for them. That when they look in our eyes and they hear our tone, that they hear the love of a Savior that they hear the love and they experience the love of Jesus and that their foolishness would break and they would come to repentance and they would come to know you and they would join the party. Prepare us, Lord, in this hour. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I woke up this morning. I told my wife, I'm like, I don't listen to the Beatles. Like, I don't, I don't, listen to them that I mean they're you'll never find me turning to listen to a Beatles song I just don't but I woke up with this song and I think it goes with what Josh is saying it was like I ain't got nothing but love girl eight days a week a lot of times the Lord will give me stuff in the middle of the night that I wake up with and I know it I mean I haven't been listening to them at all and it's just out of the blue and I think it was a message that to love of God referencing that we are fully 100% are walking in the love of God, you know, and, and we need to, we need to do that. The Bible says, speak the truth in love because there's a temptation to just want to speak the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that your truth will go much further if you're doing it in love for the people that you're speaking it to. When you speak it in anger or frustration or hatred because of what's got them wrapped up, you've lost the fact that they're bound by the enemy and that we're called to help set them free. Now, there are people that aren't going to get free. 
but you don't know who is and who isn't. And nobody saw Saul being Paul. That's why we love everybody. And God loves everybody. He does. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And if there's any, I'm just going to do this real quick. If there's anybody that doesn't know the Lord, you've never been born again, had the Spirit of God come inside your spirit, or you were born brand new, and you don't know if you, would, if you died tonight, where would you go? You can have the peace at knowing that you're right with God, and when you die tonight, you're going to be with the Father. If you don't have that, raise your hand, because God will help you today, and you want it, if you want it. And if you're online and you're watching this, Jesus Christ died for your sins. You can be right with the Father by turning to Him, asking Him to forgive you, asking Him into your heart. I've heard people say that it's not scriptural. Then why does the scripture say that Christ is supposed to dwell in our hearts through faith? I like the fact that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But if that's not, uh, if there's anybody there, all, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know, there's people in church that need to get saved. Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? Do we not cast out devils? Do we not heal the sick? He said, away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. A sign that you're born again is that you're having intimate relationship with Jesus. If you're not, something ain't right. Does that make sense? So I encourage you, if you, if you, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord, don't, you know, we don't know what day we're going home. We need to be ready. Today is the day of salvation. So um, we have to walk in love with our enemies. Um, I just want to say one more thing before we, and then we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up, but I felt like the Lord gave me a word while, during worship. I saw, and I feel like the, the Lord's going to heal some, someone today. I, if, you're, if you're struggling with like curvature of the spine or where your spine's not straight, stand up. Is that you? Stand up. No, no, please. Everybody that's dealing with that, we're going to pray for that person. Anybody else dealing with the curvature of the spine? Any type of spine out of alignment? Okay. I felt like the Lord was giving me a... When I saw this, I felt like the Lord said, this will be a sign of what He's doing to the country. He's realigning us. And this is what hit me today, this morning. You know, the, 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 rep, the Scripture in Second Chronicles where it talks about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their evil way and seek my face and I will hear from heaven, will come and heal their land. I believe this is a prophetic word and we're going to pray for De uh, Deborah. We're going to pray for Debbie, Lord, that, that, that God is not only healing our land, but there's a healing movement that's about to move through our land too that's going to heal bodies as well. And it's going to be one and the same. God is going to purge the land and heal the land, but he's also going to heal bodies. And I believe the Lord's touching who, I, I just felt like the Lord was going to heal somebody today of that as a sign of what he's doing in the country. So right now we speak to the spine in Jesus' name, just like we're speaking to our country's backbone. And we're commanding alignment to come in the name of Jesus right now.
Let the spine line up now to the Word of God. Get straight in Jesus' name. And just as you're straightening out this country, you're straightening out your daughter who you love right now's body. We command this thing to line up now in Jesus' name. Line up now. Thank you, Lord, for your healing virtue. Thank you, Lord.